what we do here is go back, 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 back. back. Welcome back to Unfiltered Tips, where myself, Kath, and my friend Rachel share our experiences as PhD students in the UK. Each episode will bring you updates from our lives in and out of the lab, as well as discussing a topic more relevant to PhD life. And this week, we want to chat about what it's been like to do a PhD in a pandemic. But first, just a bit of a catch up. So, Rach, how are you getting on? Um, how are things going? Um, yeah, uh, I guess. Yeah, being quite honest, it's uh, yeah, it's not been the best of not been the best of weeks. Um, yeah, just I think a lot of silly mistakes, cells dying, uh, trying to plan uh, my time, coding issues. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I think it's yeah, just not. In comparison to other weeks, not the best of weeks, but, but we'll yeah. come through it. Yeah, it's been a bit of a bit of the struggle bus. Yeah, <laughs> it's been a bit since I've been on the struggle bus to struggle city this week. Do I you want to <laughs> talk sure. us through? Do you want to talk us through something like a specific thing that you feel like really didn't go to plan that's like been bugging you the most? Or... <laughs> um, yeah, well, like I think making nice plots um i think i yeah i think i'm learning that uh sort of so, so with some of the work that i've been doing that actually what i thought was the hardest part was actually potentially the easier part mm-hmm. and then actually kind of plotting the results in a nice way and in a kind of Easily, easily visually read. pleasing manner. Yeah, in a visually pleasing manner, um, it's actually going to be the harder part. Um, yeah, but I'm also talking... learning to do stuff like you know, ask for help and stuff like that. So um, yeah, that's good. Yeah, uh, I think yeah, maybe that most specifically. Uh, I think uh, maybe some other other slightly funnier things that have also gone wrong this week. I can go into further detail later. <laughs> yeah, my P and my PI and I are actually discussing about this because um, I do a lot of analysis for our, our lab as well. And um, it really isn't the like actual running of the programs that's the hard bit. It is the data management before you run something and thinking about the best way to visualize something because um, like any sort of analysis these days produces so much data that could be useful. You just kind of have to wade through like what's actually useless. And yeah, I think that is really, really tough. And yeah, it'll definitely get there. Um, I'm trying to think what's kind of gone wrong in my week. Yeah, I've actually had oh, a pretty, I've actually had a halfway decent week this week. Um, I mean, I've had issues outside the lab, but as you can get to at the end of the get to the end of the podcast, actually in the lab's been okay. Um, yeah, like I got some new cell lines up. They're mycoplasma free, which is a great thing. So they're not infected. That is a great thing. Yeah, yeah I know. Thing. I was like very relieved. If yours come from a, if they come from a mouse or any kind of like primary cell, and they're not, they're like 
because basically everything's affected with mycoplasma, but because these are cell lines, you hopefully hope they're not going to be with it. Um, also, around yeah. some Western blots, um, I did a new lysis and stimulation lysis, and I did a different stimulation. So instead of using like EGF, where you have to be really, really quick, like that's a five minute stimulation, I used HGF, which is a 10 minute stimulation. Um, and having, oh my gosh, 10 minute stimulations way less stressful. If I'm ever doing something, I'm going to use HGF in the future, <laughs> unless I like desperately need to use HGF. But it was just so much less stress having like that much more time between each stimulation um, to like think about what you were doing and actually make sure you did the right thing. And the Western blocks were really nice. So quite relieved. Very about good. That. What are some of the funny things? Some successes. I know, well, God, exciting. I've had a successful week. <laughs> Go on then, what are some of your funny failures this week, Rach? <laughs> uh, I have to say, like, <laughs> possibly there's one of the, well, yeah, not one of my finer moments. I had to section some samples. And uh, I honestly, basically, almost got through the whole block of, like, sections. Like, pretty much, like, you know, I was like thinking something is wrong here because I'm really struggling and like why is it not cutting like nice why am I not getting nice ribbons of sections like I should be <laughs> you know, it turns out I was doing the whole thing without a blade um <laughs> which you know is, yeah I mean step one of like cutting sections is you need to cut them with something I so why are you just cutting them with like the Blade support, I guess. I, I don't know, know like, how much. I, I don't know that much about cutting sections. Is it like an automated process? So you're no, not no, just no, like. No, it's not. This is a completely manual microphone. So, um, so you weren't doing it with a scalpel. You're just like. Is a scalpel? So what you do is you put like a, a blade into this machine, like a yeah. microphone blade, okay. and um, it kind of sits underneath a guard, um, which is black, yeah. and then on a kind of support, and it's the support is like. The same color okay. and basically the when when the blade's actually in there it just can't you can just kind of see the tiniest like line yeah like above above the support and all right so it's, i think it's actually quite hard to see if the blade is actually in there and because i actually only ever used it once, yeah, like, yeah. once before then i just like <laughs> i just i guess i just like looked at it before i started and was like oh yeah i can see there's a blade in there <laughs> there wasn't a blade <laughs> that does remind me that one of the western blocks I ran this week well it wasn't this week it was the previous week or we didn't record um, we use precast gels and they have little tape strips of tape on the bottom of the gel that you have to take off otherwise no electric current will flow through the gel um, and I didn't ah. take the bit of tape off so <laughs> I was like why is this taking so long to run and it was like I'd been running it for an hour and a half and it like had hardly moved and I was like <gasps> Oh right, yeah, the tape. So that's that's a good stupid error for you. There we go. There we go. Yeah. I mean I'll never forget not to put a blade into a microphone again. This is true, you won't make the mistake again, so that is a positive idea. <laughs> Some chunky unusual sections. Maybe I'll just like frame them or something, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, what well, I don't know. Any other I would say like I'm just I'm feeling like I'm on top of things at the moment myself um, which is nice like I know last time we talked I felt like that wasn't the case but 
it just shows you like the quick turnaround even in two weeks from feeling a bit like oh i hate everything to oh i'm i'm, I'm doing okay um yeah so. it's almost like i've gone the opposite way i think maybe last time we spoke i was kind of yeah feeling a bit better but now <laughs> yeah it's a proper really case uh, yeah overwhelming <laughs> Today we kind of really thought we wanted to go in deep on what's it been like to do a PhD in a pandemic. Um, Indeed. Because uh, we've both been affected by that, but in slightly different ways. Obviously I was partway through my PhD um, when the pandemic really came in full force and Rachel's, Rachel kind of started her PhD in the middle of the pandemic. Um, and given that we've now been in this situation for a whole year, and it doesn't seem like it's going to stop affecting us anytime soon. We thought, why not let's dive in and talk about really how it's affected us. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'll, I'll, let's hear, let's hear your thoughts on, uh, okay. on this first, Kath. Um, sure. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, how um, did the pandemic, how has pandemic impacted you so far? Um, mm. So what's been the main thing that happened yeah. because of it for you? So I guess um, the way my PhD course was structured was I started in October um, and the first three months my PI was quite strict and stringent, kind of had me chained to the desk reading. He was like, you will read for three months and you will write a literature review and you will do some basic lab training, but his focus for me was really to read. Um, and so I'd kind of just finished that process. I'd handed in my literature review at the end of January. And in February, I started setting up some first preliminary experiments. Um, so February through March, did a couple things. None of that worked. And I was just beginning to think through my postdoc, what the next experiments to do would be in terms of the optimization journey. When we got like, I remember it very specifically, it was like a Tuesday. And um, my friend who worked at the uni had been like, oh, we've all been told we need to be up by five, they're gonna shut the labs. And then sure enough, like a couple hours later, we also got an email saying that we had until like 5 p.m. the following day. So I was very much like, oh, I guess that's that, then I can't do any more of these experiments. And so, um, yeah, like in March, then end of March of my first year, so I think, I'd literally done my six month talk the week before we got shut down um, to like a full auditorium full of people. Like how mad does that sound? Like, I, yeah, can't even, I can't even I picture can't even imagine a full room of no, people. No, a full room of people. Um, and like got asked a bunch of questions and all of this stuff. And then I was like out of the lab. Um, and so, yeah, I like, was working from home and didn't have masses to do. Um, the first kind of few weeks, I just kind of didn't really do much. I went to like the lab meetings that were put on and we started a journal club in our lab that we don't really do anymore. Basically, we're really <laughs> bad. As a group, we're really bad at reading and we keep trying to come up with incentives to make us read more, but it's not gone brilliantly. But for those like six months of lockdown, we did a journal club every Thursday. It was it was quite impressive. <laughs> um, and uh, okay. 
my like institute were really good. They put on a bunch of talks um, and put on some like R training sessions and things like that run by the computer science department. And it was like, yeah, it was really good um, to kind of have that breathing room. But ultimately I needed to, yeah, I just was like, I felt very stressed about like where the project might go and stuff like that. Yeah, um, mm. yeah I mean, I really feel for you because I can't imagine, um, yeah, the fact that you were actually like, yeah, just couldn't, like labs were shut down, like you couldn't actually go in at all. Um, yeah. That must have been very frustrating. Like I felt frustrated by it and I was in sort of, finishing off my master's um which is you know um kind of a different cast of fish really it's just not the same <laughs> yeah 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 so. I think like the one thing that was keeping me encouraged was like well at least this has happened in my first year like mm -hmm. I have some decent friends here in their third and fourth years and it was just yeah like made life impossible for them so uh, yeah i'm really glad that it was so early on in the process mm. and what did you go up to when you weren't in the lab so yeah, yeah what did you um i wasn't spend that time doing <laughs> i mean i wasn't completely devoid of lab life i did actually volunteer um at the testing labs um because nice. yeah, yeah. and they set up one of the major testing sites is set up where i am a student and because we have security access to that building they really needed urgent volunteers so whilst they're scaling up testing process we went in as volunteers um i have a little medal to thank me for my work i know how cool is that but like oh, now it's like fully employed people like we were just like temporary whilst they were like trying to get like lab techs through the security process of the buildings um but from my phd side of things um my pi thought it would be pertinent to kind of take a step back um and kind of given what i'd read do we can we have a look at some publicly available data sets and do they kind of support my hypothesis or can they help me generate a more specific hypothesis around um, my area of research. So I took a data set from my lab that had kind of been underutilized and then I took some publicly available data that was like so some title data from my lab and some single cell RNAC data from um, yeah like I think it was in TGCA, but just a public repository. Um, and yeah, that got to work kind of reanalyzing those kind of with my own specific question in mind of looking at um, tumor cell heterogeneity. Both these data sets had been used to look at um, fibroblasts in the past. So a cell type Rachel cares more about than me, but. Um, <laughs> I do very much love it, love <laughs> But yeah, so. <laughs> kind of got Question my that is, <laughs> that is a good question um anyway sorry yeah no so I, I got i got my hands on these massive data sets and i was a bit like oh gosh i guess i need to learn how to analyze them um i also had a regular <laughs> every day. oh gosh <laughs> yeah i also had a regular rna seq data set that i was looking at as well um and so Kind of one of the key things i i'd kind of developed some programming knowledge in my undergraduate course i did like i took a master's level course when i was doing my undergrad 
in computational biology. And so that kind of taught me kind of the principles of data management and like what clustering is and what principal components are. Um, but really over those kind of six, seven months when I was out of the lab, um, I really got to grips with um, transferring all that knowledge into R and then just being able to get hold of, get myself wrangled around these data sets and actually produced like novel findings from them. Um, so I was like so proud of that. And also it gave me um, things that actually put in my transfer reports in the UK. Usually after one year, you have to submit um, a big report of kind of what you've done that year. And then um, you have like a fiver on that. And then you either, at that point, they decide whether or not you're gonna like go on and continue and finish your PhD, or if you're gonna be like, we think this isn't the best course and they give you like an MPhil. So thankfully I produced enough data from these um, data analysis stuff to kind of fill out that report and actually pass my first year viva um, in August. So that was really exciting, yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, what do you, what do you think? One, what do you think the lasting impact of uh, mm. that, like, of the pandemic, will be for for you, like, on on your PhD? Um, and I guess you know, looking for the silver lining and things. Were there any benefits that you found of actually not being able to go into the lab? Like, did anything like did mm. anything good come out of that time at all? you can say oh you know what that give, did give me an opportunity to yeah do xyz even if i didn't uh get into the lab yeah i do think like speaking to kind of i guess both of those like a lasting impact and advantages that like prior to like being kicked out of the lab i kind of had an interest in developing my computational skills and i had deliberately picked a phd project that would um, kind of forced me to do that. I just hadn't ever expected it to happen so early. Like I figured I'd be learning these skills kind of in my third year when I had a couple of my own really big data sets. Um, but yeah, like that advantage of actually getting the opportunity to spend like solely focus my time learning how to code, learning how to handle big data um, has served me really well because it helps me design my lab experiments um, with the knowledge of how I want to analyze them and like mm. it also just like having those skills um, is kind of a good asset in a academic lab because you know your PI always wants a little bit of extra analysis on a paper so <laughs> what I've discovered is I get asked to do a lot of little bits for a lot of papers so um, that's actually really cool. Um, impacts wise I had a really tough time transitioning back to the wet lab um i definitely i was allowed to start going back from kind of september back into the labs um and i just really really struggled i deliberately didn't um plan loads of experiments i wasn't really sure of myself of my skill set of my ability to do anything and i like got really really low and I was like oh my gosh I'm like a fraud of a student I don't know how to like even culture cells anymore and I just like couldn't get anything to work I didn't feel like I knew how to plan experiments I felt like 
I kept feeling like I wasn't where I was supposed to be as like a second year student. Like I should know how to do all of this. And then not giving myself the recognition of the fact that like, I hadn't had the last seven months to learn how to do all of that. Like, of course I'm not gonna be in the same place uh, as like a regular second year student would be um, in terms of wet lab skills. Mm. Um, because I just wasn't there. And so I think like that will probably have a long lasting impact just in terms of every time I feel like I don't, I don't do something quite right in the lab. It just kind of feels like kind of another notch in that lack of confidence I already have. So I do like worry that I'm going to be like afraid when designing big experiments. Um, and sometimes I just like, make my life a bit easier by wanting to just be back at the computer where like actually the mistakes don't cost loads of money and they don't take weeks of your life only to find out that you messed something up like three weeks ago and yeah like mm. I think yeah just that lack of confidence is probably my biggest lasting impact at the moment mm. Mm. yeah yeah no, that's really I mean, that's, yeah, that's totally understandable. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's so, just really understandable. Rach has a slightly different I think many people journey. Would um, so, that. <laughs> I guess, um, sure. first off, like, when did the pandemic, like, start impacting your PhD journey, like, Ever so slightly. Um, hmm. Um, well, I guess, so I started looking for PhD yeah. places, I would say maybe around October. I was really, really fortunate to get some money over the summer to mm. actually, because I'd written a written sort of my dissertation in third year um uh, kind of it like under the like mm. my in, kind of with the lab of my supervisor the way my course was structured i was then going to go into that yeah. lab for my masters um so i was very fortunate to be able to get some money to actually kind of go into that lab over the summer so before september when my next year started um and so i guess i was sort of I mean, I, th I might have mentioned it last week, but I guess yeah. kind of having that experience of just like meeting some really, really good people and uh, kind of set my mind to like, okay, I think yeah. I, I do yeah. want to apply for a PhD. So maybe I decided that I was definitely going to apply in like over the summer. So by August, I probably decided, okay, I'm going to try and look for some PhDs. And I... Yeah, yeah uh, that sounds, I that think I ended up applying to about five, but they so all my applications are actually in, I would say, by Christmas. I don't think I applied to any after Christmas. Um mm. so really I'd actually Yeah. <laughs> I was also equally very fortunate that I got an interview for one, which was this uh, where I am yeah. now. Um that was my, my first interview and uh, mm. I was very fortunate enough to get a place. So I actually didn't, I, I applied for five, yeah. I got offers for interviews for three, and I actually didn't, um, 
so I didn't actually go yeah. to the other interviews because I'd already decided I'm here. Like I think Manchester's would be a really good place for me. I think I'll fit in. Um, so I'd say actually the impact of, on my PhD is almost maybe more similar to you to yours than yeah. maybe at first I thought maybe names were different but actually I missed out on a fair amount of training in like February March so like, you I, missed I out really in your actually, masters you think? there are a lot of things Ooh, that I yeah. feel like I feel like I should know by now that yeah. I, I don't because yeah yeah it just happened that I missed out on sort of yeah. training during my masters uh, rather than sort of no, first, that's really interesting. In, in I think like, my PhD. Um, I guess the other thing would be yeah, like that's uh, slightly different to me yeah. in terms of just specific to the PhD is kind of moving into the new lab environment. Like with your masters, where like you maybe missed out on training, but you knew who you were working with. Like you had to meet your new lab over Zoom, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, how was it? Um, like trying to choose a lab yeah, and I did. That was, meeting that's people met kind of, of online like mm. um, so I guess mm. I was very fortunate enough one to uh, I met I got oh, the chance so cool. to meet three supervisors to interview uh, one of which is my main supervisor now and one of which is now my co-supervisor. So I actually have had the opportunity to meet them. I had the opportunity mm. to meet them in person mm-hmm. a long time before I started. Uh, I got shown round on my interview day by someone who was in the lab that I'm currently in. And um, yeah, I think <laughs> it's funny. I think you can tell yeah. over Zoom like which labs kind of do kind of get on actually. Um, you could very much, I think you really could very mm. much tell like whether it was like a lab where people yeah. helped each other out or whether they, you know, <laughs> actually spent much time together. No, like... um, yeah. So um, whether they had a sense of humour. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So um, I think, yeah, surprisingly it was, we had we met about 30 labs mm. actually in my programme. So there was a lot of choice. Um the fact yeah. that I had some idea yeah, of where sense. I wanted to be uh, was well, This helpful. makes me interested. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you could tell over Zoom, in short. Oh yeah, we recently I was met also some interview candidates for our new student uh, over Zoom, so I don't want to know if, if they could tell like whether or not we people. liked each other. <laughs> I do like my lab mates, but I wonder, I worry that we came across like yeah. we didn't like each other. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I worry. you worry that I think you don't <laughs> no I think um, yeah I think I, I just I do like it when people have a you know when people have a sense of humour just because I think if something yeah, goes wrong so right and I think you're also gonna you laugh just need a bit of humour when you're so doing I think I just need to be around PhD people the pandemic like things are hard <laughs> like you have weird shift patterns there are like problems with scheduling and like also the technology just goes wrong <laughs> so you need to be able to laugh at that as well yeah um, yeah it's yeah it's frustrating booking base yeah, yeah um 
It's like when when you feel you're in like no, over I your head. thought maybe this is actually something we I haven't necessarily yeah and you just need down, to give something to go. Um, I think you have to be how is your like lab and building kind of accommodated like for pandemic requirements like social distancing and stuff. Masks. Yes, you're getting it. It's a mask. <laughs> uh, mask. Ma- mask. Yeah. Mask. Found in Northern already. Um, our, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. our um, mandatory, yeah. of course. Uh, we have like a maximum number of people in a bay, so you're meant to book. You're meant to basically book every piece of equipment yeah. so that you can ensure that like there are only like, yeah. like one person per room if it's in TC or... Or maybe two. I think it might be two in one TC room. Yeah, similar to us. Yeah, uh, mandatory two people masks book into everything. In well, each um, lab has so their yeah, own booking system, so book. it's not kind of universal. Um, ours is just yeah. Ah, yeah. Ours just replies to our lab because our lab has its own office and then its own lab. Ah, like all of our rooms are. Uh, it's just the way Audley Park set out, and if I know if we were at the like new build, it would be like Very it's true. like all shared lab spaces like a b uh, like your buildings are um yeah everything's shared so ours isn't like that so much um but yeah 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 like so. it's it's frustrating i think we have like 15 google calendars that manage all of the like lab spaces that we have and like i just hate looking at my google calendar because i'm just like oh so much information like like none of it you can't just like set google calendar to show you just your stuff like it shows you everybody's things i'm just like that is hard um but apparently according to our bosses there's been no work work case like work related transmission so i think we're doing pretty well with that so that's cool nice nice we um, yeah yeah we we do have to keep yeah, on top same. of like uh you know like compliance and stuff they do actually check mm. like whether people are complying and it feels yeah, normal i think the tendency is yeah. just to kind of almost and relax think, like, too much just because yeah we've always been in the pandemic you know, so like long now that like interaction right also yeah, it kind um, of feels normal to all wear masks that, that and so like yes, sometimes you just forget like our social distancing is really important too like there's a reason we have separated out bench spaces me to comply with them um going back a bit more to your personal journey i was mm. just interested like yeah yeah you obviously move cities um so like yeah what have you found particularly challenging about that like coming to a new place um Mm. All good. Positives and negatives. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I think being honest, like it was, um, yeah, really tough actually. Um, I think, <laughs> I personally, I don't think I thought about it too much at the time. I was like, I know I'm moving, I'm going to move. Like, mm. I don't really think about how. The pandemic would affect my move until I got to Manchester. Yeah. When, like, I realised, oh, you know what? I bet I know a few people in Manchester, but apart from that, I barely know anyone. Uh, yeah. I like meeting people up here, but outside of work, <laughs> meeting people in work has been great. But like meeting people outside of work is kind of super difficult. Uh, very slow. Um, 
Yeah, I think like, also, like Manchester's a great when city. When you moved here, like, I guess we like, moved in September, so oh, really Manchester, like in where we are, is kind of being under some slightly yeah. tougher restrictions. Pretty much the whole of the pandemic, um, it struggled a bit um, with kind of case numbers. So when Rachel moved here, we were under much stricter restrictions than were from where you came. So mm. that I can imagine was quite an adjustment. Um, <laughs> yeah, I feel like maybe uh, yeah, lockdowns <laughs> just followed me. Everywhere. The lockdowns. <laughs> <laughs> we were already in them before you got here. So <laughs> <laughs> that is, that, that's yeah, um, <laughs> and then that is true though. Like it's hard to meet people. I think just outside of, I mean, this is a good transition to outside of work stuff, but like just, yeah, there's been a real struggle, I think, in forming and keeping social connections that don't relate to PhDs. Like, basically, everyone totally. I talk to does a PhD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm running out of friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, I, yeah, like, to be fair, like, exactly sort of you must you Catherine definitely probably experienced mm. a, a similar thing like I don't think this is sort of yeah I've moved to cities and, and stuff but that doesn't that's not to say sort of that you haven't been kind of affected in a similar way perhaps maybe me to a greater extent just because I've moved but like yeah yeah equally I think obviously this is the whole and everyone else as well whether PhD student or yeah not. yeah yeah just keeping up social connections yeah in this time it's definitely i miss good. um i miss having acquaintanceships just like nice acquaintance relationships like because every time you talk to someone now like it's always like an intense conversation or a zoom quiz i freaking hate zoom quizzes <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think we've done enough of those for a while yeah um like everything is just like yeah i only really see like closer friends like I don't really have any I feel like I've lost all social connections that were like not that deep mm. um I kind of miss having a not deep like relationship with people because <laughs> then you can just talk about like the nonsense stuff and not have to like actually talk about things <laughs> <laughs> you just talk about the weather right okay yeah exactly I miss having conversations about the weather <laughs> um. Yeah. yeah, I, I do. We'll yeah, talk yeah. about the weather next week, Kath, if you want. Yeah, we could, we could. I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> sure, people yeah. would love to, love to hear us talking about that. I mean, <laughs> it's been um, um, uncharacteristically warm the last few days, which I, I appreciated. My interest has really come through over these last few days. Yeah, nice and sunny. Um, so, kind of just to kind of finish off, I guess, um, like we did last time, talk about what we've kind of been up to outside the lab in the last two weeks. Um, I have a good story, so I could... It might, okay, I can talk tell, about tell it. Tell us your story, Well, in my ongoing... In my ongoing... I know, I have actual news for outside the lab. Um, okay, kind of pertaining to the lab. In my ongoing endeavor to be a bit more eco-friendly, I um, decided that we wanted to stop driving to the lab. So um, I thought, right, this is fine. Like I can bike and take the train because... Because um, <laughs> Audley Park is far. <laughs> it's far away, yeah. So um, there's a nice train between where I live and where my labs are. And um, I guess I go 10 minutes, like, like 10 minutes, like a leave side of the train. So I thought, this is fine. It'd be half an hour door to door. Um, and I'll get my fitness up and 
Um, I, I'm not too worried about the train. Like it's pretty empty. It's the opposite direction to most commuters. So I thought it's fine. I've got a hand sanitizer and a mask. I'll be fine. Um, so day, uh, I emailed like security and they were terrible at describing where I could lock my bike up at work. So I got a friend of mine um, to go and show me where the bike locks were. And I was like, right, great. Okay, now I know where to lock my bike up. So the next day I was like, I did it. I got on my bike and I did the train and I cycled to and from work and it was great. Um, the day after, day two of me trying to do this, um, I'm en route to the station um, and I'm like pedaling up a hill and I changed gear because, you know, I'm going up a hill and the derailleur that um, kind of changes all your gears for you on a bike just kind of sheared off my bike. Uh, the cable, the, photo you sent me. That was the cable that was like connected to the derailleur got all eaten up in the like cogs, um, which caused my back wheel to clog, like clam up, so it stopped turning. Um, I clipped into my bike because I have clipped-in pedals now, um, and I didn't quite unclip in time, uh, so I kind of fell onto my side onto the pavement. At this point, the car behind me decided this was a sensible time to overtake. So thanks for that guy. <laughs> wow. And so I unclipped myself, detangled from my bike, get, got my derailleur that was in the middle of the road. Um, all the other cars that decided to wait just to make sure I was okay as well. But now my bike is in the repair shop. I'm waiting on parts to be delivered to repair. So I got a day into my new eco-friendly endeavor and I was immediately scuppered. So Here's hoping that my bike will be fixed soon and I can have another go, but um, that's kind of all over. Yeah, <laughs> all no, over I mean, that, did, that sounds very scary, I have to say. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad but, you're um, still safe and well. Yeah, I'm fine. It's not deterred me. I think this will be a better way to get to work. I think I'll feel better, not just like for the environment, but actually even that one day I did it, I felt so much like, better mentally um like just having got my heart rate up on the way back from the lab like I felt like I was kind of just getting rid of all of those feelings whereas when I'm driving I definitely don't disengage from the stress sometimes yeah I see um what about you got anything interesting um I mean, it's kind of work-related, but not lab-related. Yeah. Um, I entered a... We're having a courgette growing competition. Oh, my gosh. On this ABM, is incredible. fourth floor. And uh, <laughs> I've entered. Safe to that say, I've never grown a courgette in my life before. But it's very March, easy. I'm going to be growing courgettes. I have three, um, three seeds, so... I can we'll get my mum to tell you because she grows courgettes every year. Oh, um, yes, please. Any advice? She also seems to manage to grow just the biggest courgettes ever. Like, oh, I swear. Even better. Even yeah. better. I was like, mum, that's no longer a courgette. I now think that's classified as a marrow. So. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> what? Now that it's like. It got so, so big, big last year. She's just so, so terrible. Can courgettes just become marrows then? I don't think How's so, but work? it was the size of a marrow. Oh, okay. It, she basically just didn't, she didn't spot it in her vegetable patch. And so like, not until it was absolutely massive. And, you know, <laughs> and they're inedible and they're that size. <laughs> they taste good. Life. Just an accidental courgette, okay. It was, yeah. <laughs> so best uh, of luck, I think you'll be fine. They're not the hardest things in the world to grow from what I understand. Mm -hmm. But I mean, if I'm the person growing it, 
you know, I'm, I'm really doubtful of my courgette going abilities, I have to say, but we're going to give it a go anyway. Could you just buy one from the supermarket and claim you grew it? Um, claim my grew it? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure I'd be disqualified. <laughs> uh, also, I don't think I would win with a... Short-bought courgette. With a short-bought courgette. Might have to go to a farm shop to get a decent sized one. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Platfield's farm shop do some... They have a farm shop at Platfield's. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you can get... Well, there's a veg box you can get. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I know. We used to get one, actually, but then we stopped. I guess the other big news... all the veg. <laughs> oh, that's good. The other big news from this week is that um, our Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, uh, made a fun new announcement about the, the roadmap out of lockdown. The roadmap out of lockdown. Which includes um, the joy of potentially being able to see someone in the social capacity from the end of next month. Does so, that mean we can meet in real life, Kat? That means we can meet in real life, Rich. Wow. Not for, for more than just exercise. We could actually have a picnic. Um, I cannot wait. I know. Um, uh, it means we can meet yeah, because I think it's, is it two households or two people? I don't know, I'd need to check, but we can actually do something socially together outside, distanced. Mm. Hooray. Um, Hooray. So indeed. are you looking forward to that, Rachel? I very much am, yeah, very much so. I, um, yeah, no, I'm buzzing for, you know, meeting some more people, seeing people face to face again. Yeah, I think um, also because you yeah. can travel outside your local area. So that's the big thing. My mum... My mother, mother dearest, has decided that we shall both drive for two and a half hours. Oh, nice. To go on a walk in Warwickshire. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. What a great idea. Your mum's um, full of great ideas, Kat. My mum's full of great ideas. And so um, that's, we've put three dates in the diary on the hope that one of them won't rain. Um, oh, nice. Okay. But yeah, that's kind of my other thing I'm looking forward you to. You can go so, for a walk in Warwickshire. Hopefully in a couple episodes time I'll have some feedback on me actually doing something more interesting than just going to and from work or failing to go to and from work. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, well, you know, I wish you best of luck in getting to Warwickshire. Um, <laughs> I'm excited to hear. Uh, I'm excited to hear your stories in a few weeks' time. Yeah. Do you say yeah. hi to your mum for me? I will, for I me. will. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I was going to I was going to be like, can I come too? But then obviously that's just not really too many households. It, so. Too many households. <laughs> too many households. Yeah, I'll nice get day. found out. Yeah, definitely. I like, can't wait to see her because it's been so long. Like, I know yeah, it's yeah. one of the hardest it's things. It's been a while like, for you. It's been. I've been talking about like impact of PhDs in the pandemic. Just like massively reduces your support network. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and like not being able to get away like I think it's actually having breaks is so important and so like we've been stuck in Manchester for months so I think like it'd be nice to get out of Manchester for a bit um, as much as we love the city but need, we need a break from it <laughs> yeah um, I think that's all this week um, thanks so much for listening uh, we hope you've enjoyed it and yeah if you liked it come back and listen again yeah, links to some of the things we talked about will be in the show notes along with our Twitter handle so give us a follow um, and we'd love your feedback as well so tweet it at us or leave it in the comments um, sound production and design is by Josh Cooper and thanks Woo. again for listening <laughs> bye bye
What we do here is go back, 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 back.